Welcome back to In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil. And I'm not quite sure if I needed the accents in this movie to be less over the top or more over the top. I don't know yet. That That's interesting. That's a, Yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk about that because I don't... I'm not sure I know exactly what you mean by that. I think you will eventually. Yeah, I'm sure I will. I'm Andrew. I'm your other co-host. And uh, I found this film to be very timely. What with its tale of a a cult of personality surrounding one person and a group of incompetent people who are just siphoning off of the teat of the government, uh, having to scramble to fill the power vacuum left when... I mean, we haven't gotten to that point yet in modern <laughs> times, but uh, perhaps, perhaps this movie is wishful thinking about what could happen. Maybe to... it is prescient. I don't know if it's yeah. wishful thinking. I, I don't. I don't know that it's a positive thing. What's what happens in this film? Oh no, but it could be uh, predictive of of the death of someone else who I believe you are alluding to. Oh yes, or at least the deposement of that person. Deposement. Yes. Deposing. I'll... Deposition, deposition of that person. The film we're talking about is The Death of Stalin, uh, yes. which is written and directed by Armando Iannucci, mm-hmm. who uh, is recently renowned for his work on the show Veep with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. And his last uh, we're gonna cinematic have... adventure was, I believe, in the loop. In, yeah, that was in 2009. So he hasn't, he hasn't directed a feature film, I believe, since then. Yeah, I believe that's right. Uh, in between. Um, but yeah, he's he does he's done a lot of work as a writer mm, and directing some episodes of Veep. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk all about this film and related subjects in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q.com. And we also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In The Q. Q-U-E-U-E is how that's spelled. And in both those places, you'll find all of our episodes that you can listen to in their entirety. And you'll find on the Facebook page the supplemental things that we post to go along with the discussion for that week. Mm -hmm. And we encourage you all to like us on Facebook because then we can get in touch with you. And if you would like to join me and Andrew on the show to talk about the film of your choice, you can totally do that. Very true. Yeah. And then also we have a Twitter. It is at ITQ Podcast. And lastly, you can find us on iTunes or on Podcast or Overcast Podcast Aggregates. So without further ado, today's film is The Death of Stalin. Doctors are dead. I can't remember who's alive and who isn't. It's Comrade Stalin. I'll take it from here. We need to start putting together a plan. How can you run and plot at the same time? We should get Stalin's children here. What are you doing to my father, you jackals? How old are you? I'm old. You're not old! You're not even a person! You're a testicle! Everything's gonna be fine. This is not exactly fine, is it? My father's lying there with his head open. Stalin would have wanted the committee as one. 
All those in favor? Carried. Unanimously. Rooshed? Not rooshed. Whatever. Not rooshed. Rooshed? Would you stop with this? I want to make a speech at my father's funeral. No, uh, no problem. Uh, technically, yes, but practically. When I said no problem, what I meant was no problem. Ignore me. I'm sorry, but I am very furious. You're the good guy now? You locked up half the nation. Yes, and I'm releasing them. What are you doing? I've been picking out funeral cushions with Slim Hitler over there. Trust no one. Darling will be loving this. Don't worry. Nobody's gonna get killed, I promise you. I've had nightmares that make more sense than this. You will not take me down! I will not be silent! Yes, so that was the rollicking trailer for Indeed. Death of Stalin. Indeed. Uh, so this is a satirical, farcical film. Mm-hmm. And it it takes as its premise the final days of the actual Soviet dictator, Joseph Stalin. And uh, it begins with uh, uh, a recording or a, a performance, rather, of, of uh, an orchestra playing a piece of classical music that Stalin himself overhears over the radio and requests that a pressing that he receive a pressing of the actual performance on record. Mm, yes. And uh, but this this causes a lot of panic for those who are in the recording booth because the performance was not recorded. And so they start to scramble to, to stage the performance again and get him a copy of the record. And uh, so that kind of kicks off the satire. What happens is Stalin does indeed kick the bucket early on. And that leaves his, his regime to kind of scramble and uh, decide what happens next, who is going to resume power uh, in in place of Stalin, and it's it's uh, it's very political. It's very critical of of that type of regime. And as you alluded, Andrew, I think yeah, there are definitely connections to be made between what was happening back then in the film and what's happening these days. Um, but my my main problem with the death of Stalin is that I. I have a couple issues with it, actually. <laughs> I could tell. And um, yeah, as that trailer was playing, Phil, I was laughing a great deal, and Phil was just sitting there stone faced, not you even. You were also you were cracking watching a smile. the trailer too. You had you had the, the the privilege of being able to see the <laughs> images as well. Sure, but at the same time, there those are some funny lines in there, man. Well, I think that the timing is is right with the delivery of the lines. I just didn't find the lines themselves that funny. Uh, but to kind of kick off, like, what reasons I have for not liking this film. <laughs> Let's start with, okay, so you've got uh, several different actors in this film, and they're all 
portraying Russians, but you've got Steve Buscemi portraying Khrushchev without making any attempt to sound Russian. He's he speaks in his regular Brooklyn accent. You've got yeah. this Cockney Cockney accented actor playing Joseph Stalin. Speaking yeah. English with a pronounced Cockney voice. Yeah. You've got uh, Jeffrey Tambor sounding like a bland American attempting to play this character, Malenkov. And then you've got other people who mostly just have British accents. And I was thinking to myself, I just feel like it either needs to be more accurate to the period and the times, or it needs to be way more exaggerated and way more tasteless. Oh, man. And that... That dovetails into my other criticism, which is I think that as a director, Armando Iannucci is basically just photographing his own script. And I felt like he has this documentary style that needs to be more more broad. Like I felt like it needed to have more of the, the touch of like a Mel Brooks directing it to really make it more over the top, more tasteless than it actually was. And... I just found myself kind of watching it and thinking like, yeah, I can see where people are getting like the rhythm right of the, of what they're saying. But I just, I didn't think that it was amusing. And uh, I think that this movie is getting a lot of critical acclaim. It has a hugely amazing meta score of 88 right now. And all the critics yeah. seem to love this movie. And I think it's because the movie itself is critical. And it's it's it portrays a very critical eye on this piece of history, and it's it's satirical, and it's not it's not a dumb movie. It's I think it's pretty intelligent, but I think maybe I, I did not find, the 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 sense of humor, that was prevalent throughout the whole thing was was not the kind of thing that really, tickled my fancy. Can I ask you something, Phil? You just did. <laughs> That's true. Do you like Veep? Well, I don't know if this is going to be revealing or not, but I've never seen Veep. Okay. Did you ever see In the Loop? No. Okay. Because I can't imagine you liking those things either if you didn't like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because this is like the apex of Armando Iannucci's creations thus far, as far as I'm concerned. This is the, the... this is just a beautiful sort of distillation of his style. And, uh, uh, and I, as you might see, loved it. I absolutely <laughs> love this film. I think it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that you were bringing up as criticisms, I think are strokes of genius, uh, especially the accent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Iannucci is, uh, is a director who is known for, Working with his actors, he, he, he lays out his script very uh, pointedly. I mean, he, he's very careful with his words and everything, but he also allows his actors a lot of freedom to kind of improvise and, and uh, have fun creating these characters and performing the words that he's written on set. And, uh, and I think that you may be responding a little bit to that, but the, the accents... Not having them, just having them do their natural accents, which everybody in this film is doing their natural speaking voice, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's not exaggerated for a reason because they're just talking like they talk. 
Um, generally speaking, maybe a little bit more formal or less formal, depending on the character. But generally speaking, just talking as they talk. And I think that that frees up the actor to give a more honest and open performance in a, in a manner of speaking. I mean, it, I'm not saying that they should do this with everything, but what we've come to expect is a bunch of people doing, you know, their best shot at an accent in a movie. And as a, we have discussed many times on this show, for me, at the very least, that can be a very distracting thing. If somebody can't nail an accent or do it properly. So I can't think of anything worse than watching Steve Buscemi try to do an English or a Russian accent. I think it would yeah, be no, a I would never, nightmare. I would never want him to. I would never consider him. And yet you know, for, I think he's perfect like for the role of Khrushchev in this film. I think he's so well suited to that role and the demands of that role within the context of this film, I think he's so great. And I think his performance is so wonderful that I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it was genius for Inucci to, to approach this material by saying, you just speak as you, you know, and just, but what's the genius the of it? Live. What, why is, why does the genius in the casting of Steve Buscemi as Khrushchev though? I'm not saying it's necessarily genius to cast Steve Buscemi other than the fact that he's, he's good in the role and he works well in the role, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying the genius is in letting them just do their own speaking voices, their own accents. Well, I think that that is comfortable for an actor and I think they can really dig into the role if they're, if they don't have to worry about affecting a a persona that they don't share. Well, Um, I mean, I think it's also important to note that this is not meant to be an involving drama we're not watching dr zhivago here i know that you yeah know, we're watching something that is meant to simply expose the foibles of people who seek to inhabit the corridors of power mm-hmm. and that's the only thing that matters that's the only thing that matters to Inucci, and that's why this is done the way that it's done and you can look through his entire body of work this is his only shtick this is it mm-hmm. <laughs> criticizing the people who try to inhabit the corridors of power and the way that they act. So I think, I think that the content of the film is more valuable than the artifice of filmmaking to him. I see that, you know, and I, I see the criticism that he's leveling. I just, I think that the the, the bitingness of and the, of the satire, I think it's there. Um, I was just, I, I just think I didn't find it humorous, you know. Like I, I could totally see the criticism that he was that he was after, and and the hypocrisy that he was exposing, and and the 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 shallowness and the hubris of the characters all jockeying for position. Like I got all that, and I thought. I thought that was all well realized. Uh, I just didn't see the humor in any of it. And I, I think that's why, for me, I think that, well, it's obvious that I'm not as in love with Iannucci's, uh style yeah. as you are. Yeah. But I think I would have liked to have seen a different director helm this same script. Because oh, I no. think a different, I think a different director would not have been quite as precious with 
the dialogue and maybe would have infused it with a little more visual uh, punch or visual humor and maybe have taken it, taken the humor level to a different place that maybe Ianucci didn't never even considered. Well, I think it's, he's so focused on his dialogue and his, his dialogue being so sparkling and, and erudite. And I think like when I say that I would have liked to have seen what Mel Brooks would have done with this story. Like, yeah, I, I honestly would have. I, yeah, I understand that. And I think it's instructive that you choose Mel Brooks as an example, because I think that that, that level of broad comedy is so different than this. I mean, it is so completely it. I would say that these are on opposite ends of the comedic spectrum and you're what you're saying you wanted from a comedy was something broad like Mel Brooks, which is as broad as broad gets mm-hmm. and as obvious as obvious gets. And I'm not saying that it's any less valuable. I love Mel Brooks. Uh, Dracula dead and loving it. I maintain is an undersung masterpiece. Uh, but, but, I don't go to an Ianucci flick to get Mel Brooks. You know, yeah, I, know. I, I like the Farrelly brothers are closer to Mel Brooks than Ianucci is. And that's like, that's a whole different breed. It's a different breed. And I am, I am taking the liberty of making such a statement because this is my first experience with this guy's work. And I'm just saying like, I mean, like the whole the whole beginning, yeah. I think really kind of sets sets you up for what you're getting, and so Patty Considine is the guy who, who I love has Patty to kind Considine, of, by the way. Yeah, I thought he was fine. <laughs> he has to kind of in a panic. He has to corral the uh, the whole orchestra to and the audience to come back and do another rendition of the song that they were uh, recording so that they could please. Stalin and uh, you know and that's that's a funny premise like you know and it's and it's it's well suited to to movies you know because it, there's there's action there's movement he it, there's visual there is a visual element to that part where you see him trying to desperately get everybody back and uh, and I got the joke like without without much uh, without much difficulty, but then it just kind of kept going. And I, I just, I, I really think that the, the, the best comedies are my favorite comedies. Not only are they taking aim if they're satirical at something serious, but they're just funny and they surprise me and keep me laughing. And, uh, I mean, it's not really a, a, a precise thing to say that the film didn't make me laugh, but that's the truth. Well, that's interesting. Um, I have another question for you, Phil. Yeah. Do you like dark comedy? Some. Can you think this is, I mean, this is something that I, I'm suspecting is that like, this is a pitch black comedy. This is a morbid comedy. It is about terrible people doing terrible things throughout. Mm -hmm. I mean, from beginning to end, that's all at every laugh comes usually at the expense of someone else. Yeah, it's very bitter. And yeah, sure. it is set in a world in a re- under a regime that was merciless, cruel, and unforgiving in every conceivable way. 
Um, you know, Stalin killed what twenty million of his own people. Yeah, something like that. And uh, he did kill a lot of people. And as a as a side note, and this is not the reason why I didn't think this movie was funny, but um, I have I've have had relatives uh, who actually suffered under Stalin's regime. Sure. Uh, in in Poland and and over there, like he has some people consider him to be worse than Hitler in terms of what he did to to Europe. Certainly, certainly. But but that that you know does not. I don't. It's not like I'm sitting in the theater thinking like, how dare you insult my <laughs> ancestors, Iannucci? No, I think that's fine. I like dark comedy, some more than others. I think After Hours by Martin Scorsese is a great film. It's a masterpiece, sure. and that's a very dark comedy. In fact, that was the movie that they showed us in film school when we were talking about dark comedies. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that one comes to mind. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that I'm definitely capable of, of Schadenfreude and laughing at the misery of other people if it's if it's if it's funny to me. Um, but uh, yeah, is that does that answer your question? Or? It does. It does. But uh, the reason I ask it is because I feel like the that that can be it if you don't like like if you're not on board from the get-go with the idea of this sort of you know the difference between this and something like after hours is that after hours you have a uh, you have a an audience sort of proxy that you can like terrible things are happening to him throughout the film but you you kind of sympathize with him and you want him to get out okay uh because everything around him is so insane and and is happening mm-hmm. and terrible things are happening to him but you you are in essence rooting for him there's nobody in this film to root for everyone is terrible there is no audience proxy by which we can feel like we are redeemed in any way even the the be- the quote unquote best people in this like Michael Palin's character, which incidentally, you can't imagine how ecstatic I was to see Michael Palin in this film. It made me so yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but his character is the one that comes probably the closest to seeming like a good person, or maybe even Patty Considine's character is like just doing his job, right? And trying not to get shot. And those are. That's that's a pretty thin thread to hang from, right? <laughs> I understand. And the thing is, I think maybe the the territory we you should be mining here is not my whether or not I like dark comedies, but rather this is a very talky comedy and oh, yeah. it's yeah. it's extremely dialogue heavy and not only that the dialogue is of a certain order it's of a certain um (laughs) i'm not trying to incriminate my sensibilities here but it's of a certain kind of caliber i guess you could say of of intellectual humor is how it came across to me yes and it's not so much that it's dark and there's no one to root for it's to me it's that it wasn't broad enough which is why I, i invoke mel brooks because i think that if it was broader, I probably would have liked it more than it was. And that's why I think that having Steve Buscemi as fucking Nikita Khrushchev yeah. is is winking 
at the audience, but I wanted it to wink more. I wanted it to be like just dripping more with with this with this farcicalness that it it wasn't. It was it was I felt like it was going in the direction of something that could have been super funny, but instead it kind of kept it at a distance. Well, I think I think that's because Inucci's sort of mode of of filmmaking is to simply like the the farce is the people. The farce is just their actions and their words and what they say and what they do to one another is that's the the root of the farce. And so that's why it's so talky and that's why it's you know it's not a particularly cinematically driven film you know it's certainly not on the level of Martin Scorsese you know in terms of mm-hmm. cinematically story you know cinematic storytelling um but i i think that it's even that being said i I found it absolutely riveting. I think that the entire film is, was from beginning to end hysterical. I was laughing throughout very loudly in the theater. (laughs) What was the reaction like among the other people in the audience? Well, I saw it in a theater on the Upper East side of Manhattan. So it was very good. (laughs) People, people liked it. They, they, they pat themselves on the back for being very erudite. Uh, So, they liked it quite a bit. And actually, I mean, it's been regularly selling out shows here in New York for a month now. Um, it's, it's a huge hit, uh, in, in the big Apple, um, which I guess shouldn't be surprising, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that this, this type of comedy, I mean, we get so much broad comedy. We get so much of it. And so often it doesn't have any teeth. I mean, I would even say that Mel Brooks's films don't have any teeth. With the... Well, Mel Brooks hardly has any teeth. I mean, <laughs> what is it, in his 90s? He's, he's an old man. Um, but he, it, it's, you know, they, they don't really, they make fun and they have fun, but they're not, they're not scathing critiques. And... To me, that's what this film is. It's an absolutely scathing critique, just as Veep is, just as In the Loop is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen his uh, British television show that I can't remember the name of right now. Um, but it, you know, that this is his, this is his stock and trade, and nobody else is really doing this. And so, for me, it's a gigantic breath of fresh air to see this level of sort of intellectual, as you say, critique and takedown and, and uh, farce mixed with, I think a fair amount of very, very funny physical humor in the film. Mm-hmm. And there, I, there's a, there's a bit in this movie when, when Khrushchev <laughs> uh, announces to uh, uh, who is Jeffrey Tambor playing? Malenkov. Um, uh, yeah, Malenkov, that uh, he's going to switch places with him during the ceremony, and he wants to make it look like part of the ceremony when people are coming in to view the body of Stalin. That and, part was funny. Yeah. And Steve Buscemi does this move and goes and stands an inch in front of Jeffrey Tambor, and Jeffrey Tambor just goes, what the fuck are you doing? 
yeah, I remember that part. That was actually, I thought that was funny. Oh. Maybe because it was so visual and and it was and, so uh, funny and kind of hilariously done. And these, that was and funny, the bits, but... some of the bits that they do that they repeat. I mean, there's a bit towards the beginning of the film where there's a a puddle of pee that everybody keeps accidentally kneeling in, and it just hits the same joke so many times that it's funny every single time. Oh God, it was just oh. It's a it's a, a a comics dream, man. It's just mm. like so it's so tight. It's so well every bit, every line is so tight. Oh. Yeah, I, I it does it's it is. It's like a well-oiled machine, I agree, and I noticed that. Um it's it is very, very fleet footed and, and it moves along. So I think, you know, those 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 portions that you just called out were funny and I remember them as being uh, appealing to my sensibilities <laughs> as, as a lover of comedy. So, yeah, I agree those parts were funny. But, I mean, overall, you know, we're at an impasse because, <laughs> you know, you're not going to convince me that this movie is a great comedy. I think that it's it's a sharp, uh, intelligent film, for sure. And there's a lot of, there's a there's a, a handy critique of power going on at the core sure. of the story. Um, but yeah, as a, as a comedy for me, it just, it was not really something that I liked that much and, and I didn't really laugh. That's just the, the God's honest truth. And I think that if you're not, if you're not laughing at a comedy, then it's not really doing its job. That's, that's how it felt for me. I understand that. I, uh, I was laughing at this film throughout very hard, uh, probably harder than anybody in the theater. Um, I, I found it to be absolutely in, thoroughly enjoyable, riveting, great performances throughout. Uh, I do want to, I wanted to single out somebody we haven't mentioned, Andrea Riceborough. Who's, oh, she's I think so her, good. She's really good. She brings some much needed relief from the aggressively uh, elder white male sure. energy that's, that pervades the whole film. And she, when she's on screen, I thought that she, she kind of, she was like a twist of lime that kind of <laughs> invigorated the cocktail that was the film. So I, I enjoyed seeing her. And I like I, I've liked her in other movies too. So I, I I appreciated her performance. Yeah, she was she was excellent. And I, I'll also say that Rupert Friend uh for me was also as kind of a shot in the arm to the movie. He came in with so much energy. He plays Stalin's son, Stalin's alcoholic son. And uh, mm-hmm. he just like every time he's on screen was so much fun. Uh, he just like bursts onto the screen. I mean, the movie's filled with great performances by great old, as you say, old old white men. <laughs> um, but it's about Russia in the fifties. I mean, yeah, you know that's what it's going to be full of, um, especially Russian government. So uh, it you know Simon Russell Beale is kind of one of the leads in this. And he was just brilliant. As we've already mentioned, Jeffrey Tambor, Steve Buscemi, Michael Palin. Um, it's, you know, uh, Patty Considine, uh, Olga mm-hmm. Kurilenko as a, as a pianist, mm-hmm. um, like some just absolutely across the board. I thought everybody was really great. And uh, you're right, Phil. I don't think that we're going to come to any kind of agreement on this film, but uh, I think that if you're looking for a really, really smart, really sharp, comedy that uh and and, it, and if you're a fan of Iannucci's style if you've seen those 
uh, other uh, works that I have mentioned. Um, I think that, as I said at the beginning, this is kind of a distillation of that style and it's really, really great and very funny. But if you live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, I'm sorry, it's all sold out. Uh, you'll have to wait till it comes to streaming. Um, well, okay, so that was interesting. We disagreed for, on a, for a change on a film. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's been a while since we've um, had one of those. Yeah, so I guess for that, I should be thankful uh, in and of itself. Um, that's our show, folks, about the death of Stalin. Probably one of the most unusual films you could see in theaters right now. Uh, yeah, but yeah. if you if you think if you are curious at all based on this discussion, by all means, check it out, get a ticket and see it. Yeah. Um, our next episode, stay tuned, uh, is going to be another new release. It's going to be Tully, the new film by Jason Reitman, which he's been collaborating regularly with writer Diablo Cody and star Charlize Theron. This is the second time that they've collaborated that all three of them. Okay. And the third time that writer Diablo Cody and director Jason mm. Reitman have co- collaborated. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this. It looks like, uh, looks to be kind of like a, uh, a look at motherhood and, and the sorts of frustrations that go along with that. And sure. then there's, there's this mysterious Tully character who's kind of going to come in and shake things up. I presume. That's what it seems like. I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Catch you next time.